Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Reese. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And hello once again. This is Coach Chuck Creasy, and uh, man, oh man, holy guacamole! You know, I've been on the road. I was on the road fifteen hours yesterday, and I'm not whining, folks. I'm just sort of stating the facts, and I just wanted to get home. I hate being on the road these days, but I was in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and uh, I I wanted to throw this out there before we even start, Um, but um, I was at Kalamazoo, Michigan, so I got to see over 300, I got to see the very best 300 young players from 15 to 18 in the United States. And we have some great ball strikers and a lot of hope there. I we, I always go to that tournament, and it is amazing the level of ball striking that, that the kids are at. And uh, But uh, I want to talk about that a second. Um, you know, with, with all you parents out there, and we're going to go uh, through so much today. This program is especially for you parents out there, but also those of you that are out there trying to uh, kick off the dust and try to get some stuff going in your towns and your communities. It's going to be a great one today. Uh, I'm very glad we've got a great guest. Miss Susie Wimberling is going to be with us today. And uh, but I, I, before I do any of this, I've got to just do the do the stuff we normally do. Uh, thanks Yellow Ball Network. Thanks uh, JP Weber and the other programs on this network on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, every Sunday evening, you've got Randy Blumendahl's Coach's Corner, and then I'm, uh, and also John Denise's, Coach John Denise, Florida Tennis Connection, and John, uh, actually, I'm going to be a guest on his show tomorrow afternoon at 5.30, and I'm very glad to do that. He wants to talk about grassroots tennis as well, but uh, this is the start of my sixth year, year number six. Gee, Willikers, unbelievable, and it's flying. But at the same time, I'm very glad to be able to do this. I'm grateful for the network. Jason Haynes has started, uh, you know, the network, uh, the, the tennis network here. And and then uh, We Coach Tennis, J.P. Weber. Folks, that's a great website. Try to go to We Coach Tennis and read some of their blogs. If you want to keep up with what's going on with the tennis coaches, uh, I'm Coach Chuck Creasy. Again, it's my sixth year, and we've, we're into uh, right now trying to just lay a course and a foundation of what we all need to do. I started it last week, and um, I, I talked about the five sleeping giants. But before I go there and start jumping around, I need to follow my notes here. I wanted to talk about Kalamazoo just briefly. Look, all you parents out there, your youngster might be hitting the ball great. I want to do, you know, the parents I see uh, there, and they've got great hopes. They see their youngsters. They've got 
hundreds of hours invested, hundreds of dollars invested, lots of time, lots of travel, and they're at the Nationals. And all of the kids, when you watch them play, there is not that much difference in the ball striking. They all strike the ball well. But I wanted to make this point. Until about age 14, the separation in your youngsters almost always is te are technical skills and who starts earlier and who has a little bit better forehand and backhand. But after 14, I'd say 14 to 17, please understand that it becomes tactical and the shot selection, uh, understanding how to m uh, manage momentum on the court, what to do next, making decisions, that is the separating point right there. And then after 16, 17 or so, please understand it's almost all emotional. It's almost always who can handle the pressure, not just on the big points, but who can ride the wave of emotions that happens uh, in tennis because you have to, you're, you're up, you're down, you're kicked around. It's just a crazy sport. First you have it, then you don't. You're, you look like you're going to win the match and you look like you're going to lose the match. And the, the range of emotions that you go through, really the separating point becomes that. And uh, I wanted to say that, but I'm going to set up a program for next week. I'm going to have try to have a couple coaches on to talk about those um, separating points. I always tell parents, too, no, no celebration till separation. Don't throw any parties with this game. It's an ongoing thing, and it's a never-ending thing. And to those of you who watch people hit the ball great, understand it's the same sort of thing if we went and listened to a high school concert and someone playing the piano, we, our untrained ears, might say, wow, they're ready for Carnegie Hall. Well, no, there's five more levels. In tennis, it's all about these levels that you have to go through, and it's much more than just hitting the ball. But hitting the ball is the part of it. Being excited about playing is the part of it. We've got to, we've got to uh, re-energize some things in our communities if we're ever going to step up and step out and really get the kids playing. And I'm not going to go into this too much, but I'll just give you a quick, quick um, statistic here. Do you know that we only have 26,000 competitive tennis players in the United States as far as junior players? 26,000. Now, if you think about it, there are probably 26,000 soccer players in Miami or Southern Florida. I, we, we are struggling as far as it's not about getting people to play tennis. It's about making tennis players. And I, last week I went through the five sleeping giants of, um, that we have in our communities that we need to really step up and, and do something about. The first was high school tennis. High school tennis is dormant right now. There is a mentality out there where participation might breed excellence. Well, it doesn't. We have lots of participants in high school tennis, a lot that play tennis, but not many tennis players. The program last week, we talked about this. The main thing would be format. We need to have more tournament formats. In tournament formats, kids grow exponentially. They only fall arithmetically. Team tennis is good for participation, for getting to know people, for the social part. But when kids grow, they only grow arithmetically or one at a time in team tennis, but they fall geometrically. We need more tournament tennis in our high schools, and I went into that last week. Small town tennis, USA. Folks, I've got a plan, and I had a trial program ready to go in Tennessee, Indiana, South Carolina, and Georgia. Those four states, I, would have, I had four programs picked out in each one of them, 16 high school, small town programs, and very quick, quickly, and any of you get any ideas, call, call in or send me an email, Creasy at Gmail. But what we could do and what we could do very easily would be to get some of our college kids who are not going to play pro tennis get them working in our community centers, give them a couple hundred bucks a week and cut them loose. And, uh, you know, you got to cover so much stuff now with the insurance and all that. We know that, but you could do this. We would be creating future tennis pros and also getting a lot of small – look, all the energy is in the small town. 70, 
73% of all professional athletes come from towns less than 50,000. The third sleeping giant are money events. The mon- I'm sorry, sorry. The money events is the solution. The age group, 22 to 35, there's nothing for players at 22 to 35 after they play in college or after they get through college. We need money events, UTR tournaments or something there. The fourth sleeping giant, there are age groups over 55 or 60, and guess what? Every, everybody's going to this pickleball. Give me a break. Come on, pickleball? I mean, I got sort of upset with those USTA guys. They said, oh, my golly, we've got all these people playing pickleball instead of tennis. Well, I'm sorry, pickleball's not going to be around 100 years from now. Tennis will. But the solution might be look at one-on-one doubles with Coach Ed Crass. Coach Ed Crass is down in Brandon, Florida down there, and he's been he has been extremely motivated to try to get one-on-one doubles going for the past 20 years, and this is his window of opportunity. Coach Ed Crass, if you're listening, it's your time. Get those senior citizens playing one-on-one doubles. Folks, the last and the most important is what our program is about today. Our program today is, if, it's up, if, it's, if it is to be, it's up to me, and how are we going to do this? I've got a uh, special guest, Cindy Wimberly, and uh, I'm going to give you her little intro here in a second. But, folks, the, the most important and the, the thing we have to do is each and every one of us are responsible to get into our communities and, and just get busy and get it done. And daggone it, we can't wait around for our, anybody else to do it, somebody else down the street, or we can't wait on centralized government USTA to sweep in and try to make things happen. We're going to tell you how to do it when we come right back. This coach Chuck Creasy, and we got to get through this commercial here. Folks, this is Coach Chuck Creasy, and I wanted to remind you that my books are still out there. If you'll go to Amazon.com, you can find all of them, all four of my tennis books. We've got a youth tennis, winning tennis, but the most important for teaching your, your youngster is coaching tennis. Folks, it's over 40000 now in sales over the past 20 years. It's still out there. You can get it if you go to Amazon, and also... Please look for my upcoming coaching certification classes and certification for you or a tennis enthusiast in your area. Or if you're a high school coach, come for a high school coaching certification as well. And it is one of the best courses and best three days you'll ever spend. Look for this coming in December, probably in Atlanta, Georgia. notes in front of me I was trying to get through them and I don't want to cut your time short but uh that's the way it always goes you've got so many things to do and the time just flies here but uh 
I, I um, if you'll just bear with me a second, I want to tell the people about you a little bit. And uh, thanks for your time. Thanks for coming on. So, um, folks, look, uh, there's a saying: your actions speak so loud that words don't really matter. And I even do do a little thing with uh, our guys where I have someone come in and talk to them about body language and about. They said, whatever you're develop, delivering a message, 60% of it is your body language, about 25% the tone. The message is only 15% your words. But I've got to say, and I'm throwing a little sunshine your way, Susie, that, you know, I watch everything. I've got some very trained eyes over 47 years of coaching, and I watch for people who make things happen. And uh, you in our Charleston area here, I know there's other people that do this, but you are about the best I've seen at making stuff happen in tennis. <laughs> and uh, I, I, my, you call, make calls all over the place. You get kids together. You created a league in the fall, and, and all the kids were out there playing. Now, some of the kids never picked up rackets, uh, my daughter included. She doesn't play that much, but you had kids out there. You had energy, you had the parents going there. And then on top of that, folks, she rounds up the older kids, the high school kids. She gets them to clinics. She gets them to play. She sets up matches for them and everything. So bottom line, we've, pro we've talked two or three times, but you're the one who's making it happen, whether we call you the Pied Piper or just the person <laughs> who cares a lot. Listen, thank you, first, first of all. And, uh, again, we need a bunch of people like you out there. And we want to empower – the purpose of having you on is to empower those people and to give them some points of view. So welcome with that. And you. could you just talk a little bit about yourself, your tennis and sure. stuff? Because – and I just want you to talk uh, as much as you can here. And, and, look, we've got to fire people up out there. We really do Absolutely. because uh, – you know, so well, it's, a, it's a great welcome. sport, and I'm and I'm I'm happy to be here. I'm I um, am not a, a tennis pro. I'm not even a, a college player, but um, I'm a tennis enthusiast, and I and I do play. I grew up in Atlanta, and played Alta and out of Bitsy Grant Tennis Center my whole life, and played some juniors and played in high school, and just loved the sport. And then of course went to college, played some intramurals, took some time off after I got married and had kids, and and took it back up just loving it coming back playing a competitive sport as an adult is just a great a stress relief and energizer a way to get exercise and have fun and all all the things that we love about tennis but um i have two children a 14 and um 12 year old daughter and 14 year old son and they are um into tennis now and i think like all parents you know we we start our kids off doing, you know, introductory soccer and t-ball, and we watch them when my daughter was a gymnast, and we did all these sports, exposed them to everything like you're supposed to when they're young, and I think the way our society has kind of taken sports, around 12, you've got to pick a sport. You've got to settle down on one or two things you're going to focus on and pick up the pace from there. And fortunately, both of mine have chosen tennis, which makes me – so happy and it's a sport we can all go out and play together and, and hopefully we'll play the rest of our lives but um, selfishly all of the things that I have done in our community for tennis is for them is trying to get them more more involved and find more things because sadly there's not enough out there you've got to kind of create it for yourself <laughs> um, that's that's where I come in is more of a, a parent but I have my master's in early childhood and I was a school teacher for years and um, and am at home now and and doing ad sales and other things that allow me to be more flexible with my time but um, I, I really would love to see more going on with tennis it's it's a great sport and there's there's ample opportunities for for money to be made for for tennis pros and tennis centers and towns programs and I think the parents would jump on it if we could just get a little more organized and <laughs> a little bit more going on everywhere. Well, you know, you, you've brought up some parts. First of all, it's okay to be a little bit selfish. Uh, my son <laughs> has been, look, my son's into baseball folks. I've told you that so many times. And 
I've taught them all how to play tennis. All six of my children, I've taught them how to play tennis. But as far as being tennis players, maybe my youngest daughter, who Susie has out there playing, she's maybe she will be a tennis player. Yeah, but that's okay. But what my point is, is uh, my son plays baseball. But every team that he has played on has been coached by somebody else's father who is coaching the the team because of it's because of their son or the you know and it's the same with your daughter so it's okay uh Susie and all everybody out there but the bottom line if you want it done you sometimes just have to jump in and do it yourself now I've thought about this about you let me ask you this um you're from Atlanta Alta is a huge deal and it's mm-hmm. actually the history goes back to 70 something uh, Charlie Cox Charlie Cox was mm-hmm. a Delta pilot he and uh Bud Bud Cox was a good recruit I tried to recruit him back years ago but he went to Auburn but Charlie and a couple other guys got together and sort of created Alta could you talk a little bit about what they do and how that all sets up because I mean, everybody knows Atlanta is great with tennis, but but what happened and what does it feel like living there where tennis is so big? Could you talk about that a second? Sure. We had tennis, I mean, starting from six and unders. It was almost like uh, summer swim leagues around here. You know, people signed up. You know, you, you can make your team. I was on tons of different teams all through elementary and middle school years. It was at some point it was my neighborhood kids, and we had weekly matches in our neighborhoods, and it was a social event. I mean, you kind of came, you played, parents stayed, um, you know, we ate dinner, we had snacks, and, and then as we got older it, it evened out into single gender and we got into um, more level of competition, and that led us right, it what, what led year, right into what, the high how, school program. How old, how old when, when they I started think I, doing uh, single grade, gender competition? Seven, Oh, um, that it was later than it is here. I think. I mean, I think I was probably more twelve um, before we started getting into things. We did. I mean, I can remember being on a, a mixed team in maybe fourth or fifth grade, but by middle school we were single gender, um, and that's when they start doing tournaments. And they and there's tons. There's something every weekend, and it's all local because there's so many different tennis clubs. Um, I played out of Bitsy Grant. But um, every every country club, and then we have several tennis clubs, um, you know, kind of pool and racket clubs, and and we played in neighborhood courts that were decent enough, and we played in really nice country club courts. But the main thing was there was always something happening. There was never a lack of of an event to attend. Um, it, it was it wasn't an invitation only. It was open tournaments. Um, you built your rank as you went, but um, I don't ever remember looking. I feel like now I spend hours online searching for things <laughs> that don't exist. Absolutely, but you can make yeah. them exist. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I've all, I've had a guest on the show, and he said literally he can go on and book five different airlines and five different flights to Timbuktu easier than he can find a tennis tournament for his kids. <laughs> You know, and so That's back so in back in the seventies, but but here's a here's a big point, Susie, is that nothing has been able to happen like Atlanta without okay nothing. Uh, Dallas has a great great program out there, but um, now I've got my thoughts about why. But could you explain who keeps the engine going? I mean, uh, what keeps the engine going? Surely. Kids grow up, kids move away, parents move away. Your center person, the, the Susie Wimberleys who create the energy, um, are there, and then they move away. Well, how does it keep turning over? What, 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 what are your thoughts on what they do? That's What I'm saying is it's not all sanctioned by the USTA, right? They don't, people don't right. care. They keep it simple, right? Uh, right? You're not – 
I think a lot of it is numbers. A lot of it is numbers. Atlanta's growing, and, you know, where I grew up in Buckhead is is a smaller area of Atlanta, but, I mean, now you have people that say they're from Atlanta that are from Lithonia and outskirts. So, I mean, a lot of it is pure numbers. You've got more people there. You've got more interest. You've got, you know, more of a selection, and you've got people that want to grow the generation to generation. People want their kids to play, and, and I've got several people that I know who play who are grandparents and they enjoy playing with their grandkids. So I think probably the biggest thing Atlanta has is they've got the the depth and that it will always continue. It's a tradition that is only growing. But um but it is with all sports. I mean, I think all sports are are growing. But it's it's year round. It's we live in the south. That's it's you know, conditional. I don't think, and I don't know much about how tennis is played up north. I assume they have more indoor facilities, but um, it's conducive weather-wise. You've got the population. I think those are, you know, the tradition, the clubs that have the money to stay in existence. Those are the things I see us lacking in smaller towns. You know, we don't have the depth of people, nor do we have the funding. There's not clubs or facilities that can foster growth because there's just not enough courts. Yeah, one of the things that I've always thought is in one of my number two on my sleeping giants is Small Town Tennis USA. I really believe our organizations have funneled all their money uh, to the inner cities, and they've tried forever to try to stimulate the inner cities. I've I've always said that small town kids want to step up and step get out. They want to get up and get out. Inner city kids want to fit in and stay in a lot of times. It's very hard to promote. But if you either have to be very wealthy or maybe, you know, be in the inner city to get help. It's sort of like the middle level of kids. It's very expensive. It can be very expensive. But I mm-hmm. think in Atlanta, anybody that lives in Atlanta, there's enough tennis going on. You could You could probably get good no matter what your circumstances. Would that be accurate? Absolutely. I totally agree. And and that's that's a main thing I see that my kids are in a, a sort of a disadvantage in that I'm we are not they aren't at the level of play yet where we're going to travel outside the state looking for events for them. Um they've got to prove a little bit of their dedication and work on their game a little bit before we get there. But locally, you know, you're very limited. And you're right. If you have it it's it's with healthcare. It's with everything. If you have nothing, you get everything. If you have everything, you get everything. But <laughs> if you have just uh-huh. some, no, you kind of get lost in the middle. <laughs> no, that's, um, that's exactly so, right. If you've got nothing, you get everything, and if you got everything, you already got everything, and you get stuck in the middle. So uh, I'm trying to. My whole series here recently has been to. We've got to get something going. I was uh, shocked that we only have 26,000 active tennis players where they play more than, I think, two tennis tournaments a year, 26,000 in the whole United States. And then you take the pickleballers. Uh, The USTA thrived, Susie, with uh, senior tennis and uh, adult tennis leagues and things. The league tennis is sort of kept it afloat. So they're sort of – you know, caught right now. They're they don't know what to do about this pickleball, and I already brought up to the, the and I started to start laughing. I went down to a community down in Florida, and I went to a place and they had seventy people playing pickleball and these these two old guys playing oh tennis, and and I walked over and I said, "How are you doing?" He said, "Ah, not so good. All my buddies going over there and starting to play pickleball." You know. <laughs> So, well, I so do the, not play pickleball, but I but I would agree with the with the rise and in, in in its popularity. But but I I think that with USTA constantly, it serves me well. I enjoy playing. I I'm on a mixed. I played mixed. I'm on a combo team now. We're we're getting our fall leagues together. There's always something. There's adult tournaments for charities. There's adult tournaments for fun. They offer a wide variety of of um of ways to play if you're older and you want to play you know just just doubles if you want to play singles and doubles if you want to play mixed there's there seems to be an ample opportunity for adults but with children they have junior team tennis which both of my children play i captain teams um it is 
I will always have a good respect for JTT because it has made my children love tennis. It's brought the team out in them. We've gone to state. We've had T-shirts and cheers and dinners, and and that part is is wonderful. That's what's made them love the game. But as individual players, it's not helped them grow their game. Um, and that's when USTA stops for me. There's nothing else in their age group for them to do except individual tournaments and JTT. Uh, and this sort of is getting to the core of everything. Um, I, I think everything you're saying has sort of set the table. But I have always been stunned that we have so many people that we teach to play tennis, but we have so many, so few tennis players. I, I at a USTA meeting, there must have been 300 people there. I got up and I made this thing. I said, "We're doing great with level one. We're, but we're, we're getting everybody to play. But it's like fishing with a barbless hook. We get." A hook goes in and it comes out. And I I had everybody said, okay, listen, everybody raise your hand in here if you have ever been bowling. So about 100%. And then I said, how many of you are bowlers that bowl three times a week and you consider yourself a bowler? And there were less, (laughs) there were probably eight people that kept their hands up. I said, now, we don't want tennis to become Bowling. No offense to bowlers out there. Again, it's it's a hard hard sport, but this is where I'm going with this, Susie. And you just said it with your youngsters. You've gotten them involved. You got you don't want you've got them to play tennis, but the transition becomes when they say, "Look, I want to be good. Now, how can I be good?" And there the hook out there. There's a couple things, and I want to go quickly here and get your impression. But, you know, but number one, there's no profit in junior development training, number one. All the pros at the clubs, when pros come out, they all pretty much do, and I'm, folks, I, look, pros out there, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but listen, I've done this 47 years, but most of us know that you don't make any money with the real tough coaching. As kids get better, they want to pay less. As kids get better, it takes more time. As kids get better, you've got to invest so much more that it is really, really hard to train a great player. It's like you have a virtuoso piano player or something. It gets harder and harder and harder, and the skill set gets harder, so there's more fallout. But what we do is we do real well with the 60% clinics where kids are getting 60% of their uh, athletic ability out there, we get them to the high school level. We get them on high school teams. And then what do you do next? Um, the last 20% is the whole And that's where we're at. So um, I, I want to get your impression. Then I want to talk about what I'm seeing, what we need to do. Now, no offense to anybody out there. I'm not trying to slam you. But, listen, I've worked at clubs. I've taught tennis. And you want to make money? You do women's groups because they're okay with giving you money. You put four or five on a court, and you you just one after the next, after the next. And then you get the after-school kids that come in for an hour, and you basically just, hey, little <laughs> – Susie, I don't want to – we got enough time here. That's I all right. Tell I'm used to my name. My name's the, the name. Okay, but so here's the story. I go – I give a talk about tweeners, kids being tweeners. And I, I use this all the time. Uh, when kids aren't giving their best, I will say, look, we've got three kinds of coaching. We've got resort coaching where we say, hey, hey, Billy, how you doing? We've got this uh, new racket in. It's a rocket shooting racket there, and come on in. And then they've got club coaching where you go, okay, Billy, let's run three laps and get a sweat up here, and let's do this and let's do that. And and, you know, we do it once a week. And then there's coaching. And the coaching part is really, really hard. And when kids aren't into it, I tell them the story, look, there's three kinds of coaching. I can't really do the coaching with you. we got to stick with something. And they always go, coach, I want the real coaching. I said, no, you're acting like a tweener. You're a cafeteria competitor. You're trying only now and then. <laughs> so it's really setting the table. 
um, and I want to hear what you have to say. That's where you get to. You get to the place where, yeah, I'm a, I play tennis, but I want to be good, and it's getting really, really hard. And I'll come back. What are your thoughts there, Susie? Uh, that's exactly where we are right now. We we have found some people in, in their lives that they respect and that do well with them. But so now we've started, you know, we've started playing tournaments, and it does it behoove a coach to take a Saturday and go sit at a tournament all day, or can they stay at the club and give clinics to women's groups and and other kids all day? Well, they make more money doing that so that's what they do and I don't blame them for doing that but my kids now are at a level of competition where they need to step it up they need they need more than I can offer them and you know how kids are they're not going to take it from their parents anyway um it needs to come from from the professional that they trust and that they've you know respect and have taught them this far and and then we stop it's 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 I always think it's like teaching a kid to walk. You teach him how to walk, and then you put him in front of a long road, and then you turn your back and you go teach another one to walk, and then that one's standing at the road looking ahead thinking, I don't know what to do next. So we've got this huge future. We've got four, you know, six years left at home, and and that's ample opportunity for them to grow their game. Um, they're in school a couple of hours. They live in this great warm weather climate they can play year round but they don't know what to do um and and we're not doing a good job of taking them to the next level so right we're to, so, okay so, so let that's me, where let i am point out another observation <laughs> no no that's fantastic fantastic so let me tell you where we're at in one of my, i've been in coaching uh college coaching 41 years but coaching for or teaching tennis for 47 years and I've always argued that why do we have so much talent in the college levels? Why do we have so much talent in the junior level? It was unbelievable, the ball striking at Kalamazoo. It was unbelievable. And if you put in how much all those parents spent, how much the investment was, and all those things, you say, wow. Now, why does this group of kids and so many group of kids get to the 80th percent point and then then not develop. So I even had the paralysis of 80, 80% paralysis. The last 20% is the thing. Here's what I want all of you out there to, to try to think about. Uh, even listen, and I'm, <laughs> I'm not slamming the coaches out there and the organization, USTA and you guys, I've, I've had several of my guys work there and it's, it's hard. So many moving parts, but here's the deal. There are five levels of relationship, cliches, facts, opinion, feelings, and needs. In other words, cliches like, hey, what's going on? Not much. Hey, good morning. How are you? And then there's facts like, hey, Alabama beat Clemson in this football game. Or, hey, wait a minute, uh, Joe, did you lose to that person? Here's. Then there's opinions. Wait a minute. I don't like your forehand. Or, wait a minute, let's talk politics. Or you have to go a little deeper. But the feelings and the needs to develop a player, you have to go past cliches, facts, and opinions. You've got to go all the way to feelings and needs. Now, first of all, everybody, and I'm saying at our national level, we have sent a great group, and I'm putting it on USTA. You guys, the best group of juniors I have seen since Sampras and Courier and uh, Dagon Agassi and all those guys, that group was tremendous. This group that just went out there with Tommy Paul and Fritz and, and uh, Tiafo and all those guys, what a great group of junior players. Now, we're all saying we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting for that cream to rise. That cream is in there. But why do we have such, and, and not to speak of the college talent, Oh, my golly, do I have statistics. Eight, 41 top 100 ATP players that were American-born college players in the 1986. Today we have three. What's happening? And it's this, I think it's this simple. I think that everybody gets to a place where they do window dressing coaching. They do cliches, facts, a few opinions. They'll throw them out there. Hey, I look, we're going to work on this on the surf. But you've got to coach the head, you've got to coach the heart, and the hard part is coaching the legs, 
and this is a running sport. You've got to make these people, male and female, tremendous athletes as well. And there's pain involved. There's losing. You parents listening, if you want your child to be good, they have to lose a lot. They've got to have the stomach to lose and the stomach to travel. Those things are critical. You've got to have the stomach to lose, the stomach to travel. Now, where I think we get we get messed up is about age 15 to 17 in our country. 15 to 17, the kids sort of hit a wall, and guess what? That coach is afraid they're going to lose that top player, so they start pumping sunshine instead of pumping the facts that, listen, you got to work harder. And uh, they start babying the kids a little bit, and they start looking at, oh, I don't want to lose this top player, and, oh, I don't want to lose these paychecks, and, oh, my golly, i got six years invested. But you've got to understand that if you're a good coach, you coach them up and move them on. Move them on to the next level. It's just like going to school. Mm-hmm. So, Susie, what I believe is that nobody's going to the feelings and the needs. They're not going deep enough. By parents, too, you're a parent. Parents have got to trust the teachers. You know, parents have I got agree. to I, cut I, them loose. And see. Go ahead. Oh, no, I, I know. I 100% agree. And I think maybe maybe in the, on the other side of it, maybe the coaches are wrong with that as far as thinking, you know, it, they don't want to lose the kid or lose the, the talent that they've gotten so far because I know the, the pro that we work with locally um, has more of a, a football coach mentality. I mean, he's he's tough on them and he – he yells at them, and he, he and and they respect it. It's it's crazy. They live in a world with moms telling them what to do, and ninety percent female teachers in the classroom. So if your kid can handle it, which ninety nine point nine percent of them can, if you let them, um, they will rise up and they will respect that coach, and they will want to do it not only for themselves but to do it for their coach because they know what the outcome will be if they don't. So I think that that's. Um, a misconception maybe coaches have just speaking on a parent's behalf I want you to yell at my kid I want you to push them to the level that you think that they're capable of because most people aren't going to do that at home so so why not do it on the court (laughs) well that's good and I think parents out there tell tell your coaches head straight up that you want them to be tough on your your kid and and if you want to get the best out of it comfort bears no fruit and any time you baby, if you're not tough with the lessons, and, and listen, the coaches out there, think of anybody other than your parents have had the most impact on each and every one of you out there. It's the coach, mm-hmm. and have, and I, and I look in 47, 41 years of college coaching, I have never had a player come up and say, you know what, you were too hard on me. And one hundred percent of the time, though. 100% of the time, somebody will come back and say, well, why didn't you believe in me more? Why didn't you push me more? Why did you back off? And I think t- telling parents right now, Susie, what you've just done gives parents freedom maybe and makes them double think that, listen, you've got to you've got to ask for the coaches to be a little tougher, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you're paying them to do what they're trained to do, You've got to you've got to let them do it. I, you know, we don't walk into a classroom and and watch while our teacher teaches our kids. We trust that they've been schooled and and trained, and they've got you know we're paying them for their level of expertise. It's the same on the tennis courts. I I, I enjoy watching the first ten minutes of clinics, but then I I make myself leave because I will interject and I will give my opinion, and and it's never well received from the child. <laughs> And I've, um, I've, I've, picked, <laughs> a, us, I've yeah. picked a pro that I think is good, and so I should trust him to have form that relationship and that level of trust with my child and, and get down to work and, and work hard without any interjections from, from, from me <laughs> or any other parent. Well, well, listen, I want you to – I'm going to give you the tough question here. I've got to go quick commercial here, but I'm, I'm going to ask you the quick question of if you were in charge, if let's say, okay, you're in charge of USTA South Carolina. We won't give you the whole United States. There's too many too many moving parts there. But in charge of South Carolina, and we want to make a 1,000 kids, not teach them how to play, but make them, help them become tennis players. 
a few tips to the parents, the coaches, and the kids. So think about that a second. And, you know, we will be right back just in a few minutes here. We'll be right back. This is Coach Chuck Creasy. And, folks, this is Coach Chuck Creasy. And do you know that I have the only system for controlling momentum that has been written about or even thought about out there? Everybody talks about momentum control on every sports program that you listen to. I've been working since 1979 on how to control momentum in your business, in your matches, in your games, with your youngster's career. I can help you. Look at chuckcreasy.net and get more information about my momentum control tactics. Thank you. It's Coach Chuck Creasy, and we are back, and we've got a great conversation going today with uh, Miss Miss Susie Wimberly. And uh, you know, thanks again for being on. Thank you very, very much for all you're doing, and you're giving. I'm I'm writing my. I've got a whole list of stuff here. I'm writing down on a notepad about things, and uh, I, I really appreciate what you said just a minute ago about you got a you know, let them go when, uh, when the kids get out there, you've got to give the, the, uh, coaches permission to coach them up. And, uh, Mm -hmm. but it's interesting. You said that if you hung around, you'd be given suggestions too. That's just the way we are, I guess. You know, I mean, that's the way my, my, my wife always says about baseball, she'll say, Charlie, your voice, it carries. Would you just please be quiet or walk out to the car? <laughs> you know, so. Uh, it's our you know, job to embarrass uh, I, Yeah, I want to ask you a good question here, though. Um, we need some solutions. I think it's right in front of us. Last week I talked about 90% of the fish being in 10% of the river. And usually 10% of the people do 90% of the work. We, we know that. You're one of those 10% of the people. And I want to say uh, – I. And and I wanted to throw this out there. It meant a lot to me that my daughter got a call and you were organizing something and we were all in from the second you did it. We we didn't care how, where, when. It's just like, hey, somebody's caring about our kids, they're getting the kids together, they're taking the time. Knowing that you were a teacher that I, I, I you, you see that. But you're in charge, let's say you are in charge now. We've got about ten minutes here. And now, oh, we've got a caller or two. Hang on there. Um, we'll try to get to you if we can. But, Susie, you're in charge. You, you've got a blanket. You've got a five-year contract, and they're paying you, and you've got to get a 1,000 kids to become tennis players, not just people who play tennis. You've got to get the hook in their mouth, and it's got to be a hook with a barb where they become tennis okay. players. Can you throw some stuff out there, and I'm going to write it down, and I'm sure the folks will as well. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think it's easy, easy question. You get them on the court. You get them playing. So we have um, junior team tennis. It's set up for, you know, it's, it's only based on age. There's no ability level. It's 12 and under, 14 and under, 18 and under. It, they play five courts on Sundays, and that's it. So you get two singles, girls and boys, two doubles, girls and boys, and a mix. But what we need and what I tried to do with our, our local league um, with with the girls is in, is weekly. They need to be playing several matches a week. So if this is their after-school sport that they're going to do, they have two days a week of clinic and one day a week of matches and play days on Saturdays. So I, I feel like they should be playing a match every week. And it, it can be set up, you know, like high school tennis. We've got five singles and two doubles. Or it can be in a singles league or a doubles league, just like we have for USTA adults. But it's very easy to set up. You set them up and you rank them. You know, they come in. If my daughter were to try out for a dance class, the teacher would evaluate her and put her in the level class that she should be in. We don't have that with juniors locally. There's nothing I can say. You know, I might sign my 14 year old son up and he might be with a beginner 14 year old there's no you know we have advanced players that are state ranked and then we have you know beginner kids but 
in between there, there should be weekly matches set up on a local level by ability. Um, it can be single gender. It can be mixed. I think there's as many young girls that are hitting the ball hard, and I, I wouldn't have a problem with my son playing against a girl if it was, you know, a Wednesday afternoon match. But it needs to be offered um, by ability. Um, and that way you get the competition and the level of kids. They want to play each other. And, and they don't challenge each other and go play for fun like adults do. They need to be told, you're going to play this person at this time, at this court, and they'll show up and they'll bring their best because they want to play the next week and they probably want to win to get a trophy or something. <laughs> you, you know, uh, if I could jump in just a second there, uh, we had Tim Wilkerson, who is maybe the best South Carolina – well, he came out of uh, – Shelby, North Carolina, but that's sort of South Carolina, I've always thought. But Tim Wilkerson in that small town of Shelby, North Carolina, there was a guy back years ago, Buck Archer, he had kids that played, and then the Wilkersons came through there. But in Shelby, North Carolina, was a hotbed of tennis. And uh, so Tim Wilkerson was on a program, J.P. Weber's program, We Coach Tennis. Oh, gosh, it's been maybe two years ago. But he says something that I repeat over and over and over again. He said, kids do not play for points. They don't play to chase points. Adults sometimes keep track of points. Kids play for two reasons, rivalries and then tournaments of heritage. And I bring this point up a lot. Um, And you said something interesting. They want to play, but for some reason they wait around for – somebody to set it up for them and but parents understand this um you know when every time you play you could win but you also could lose losing is a very very important it is the common denominator of everybody who becomes a winner is lots of losing you just try to learn to lose less but in tennis you lose but he said tournaments of heritage and rivalries he said if he lost to someone at a tournament, he would work for a year just to get one more crack at the person the next year. But he said tournaments of heritage are very, very important. What we have done wrong is, and I was even thinking about this, Susie, because we need to set up a, a you know, a, a sweet tea, sweet tea championship or a flower town mm, championship or Somerville. We we need a tournament in Somerville that is for all comers, any age a UTR tournament or just a tournament. We don't need to make it complicated. We don't need to make it a USTA or a USTA or UTR tournament. You just have to set up a tournament and say, like, who's the best player in Somerville? We, I mean, we could do that. Let's let's try to talk about doing that and get a tournament to just name the best. Hit. Yeah, and then you build on that, and after 10 years, 20 years, it becomes a big, big deal. Now, Here's where I think the USTA where we messed up, and we're messing up this a lot. With the computers, we do many things not because we should, but because we can. It's easy to keep score with points. Also, they've got this, they've got level three, level four, level one, level X, blue team, white team, gray team. And, And it's so, folks, I've done this for 47 years, and I don't know how to advise people to go what to play. They say, well, read it in the USTA manual. That's not the point. What we need to do is in your community, I grew, I grew up just wanting to win the Garfield Park Championship. That was my park. We had old buzzards like, well, I'm an old buzzard now, but we have had old, old people play, young people play, and, oh, my golly, just wanted to win that. So set something up in your community. Make a park championship. Get, you can get a little publicity for it. Have a have a cookout. Have do those kind of things like mm-hmm. Susie is saying. But competition is the key. Would you say? I mean, Susie, it's don't wait on the USTA. Don't wait on somebody else to do it. You know. So, yeah. what what are your you thoughts, sir? Yes. If you want it for your kids, create it. It, it. That little league we did last year was so simple. We took 24 kids split them into six teams of four. Within the team, we ranked them one, two, three, and four. They met every week. The ones played each other, the twos, the threes, the fours. Everybody played singles. 
Then they paired up, and one and two played one and two from another team. And they played one six-game set for each. Um, and this is 12 and unders. This was kind of an intermediate level, kids who have played some but not enough. Um, they are all probably taking some form of clinic or lesson weekly, but they weren't applying it. They weren't. There's some things you can't teach until they get out there, and then they remember what the coach said. And hopefully if you've got a good coach, it'll get in their head and they'll apply it, you know, during a match. But it it would that was a very, you know, rudimentary, easy concept to get 24 kids playing two matches a week. Um, but But you could do it, and I say now my son's playing high school tennis, we have three high schools in our community. They're off-season right now. They all want to keep playing, but there's nothing to do. So what can we offer them? We should be these high school coaches. I would love to see them collaborate a little bit and say, okay, well, let's scrimmage off-season. We know pretty much what the ladder is going to be for next year, so let's put them together now. So if they lose to them now, it will fuel them to improve their game by spring. Maybe they can challenge them again. But – we don't do enough off-season. I'm, I'm looking at these kids that have chosen it as their sport, and their parents are looking online and trying, you know, in the summer there's camps galore and which ones are worth it and which ones are not. And you can join an academy or you can do privates or you can, um, I don't know, you know, you can travel, you can drop out of school and homeschool. There's many, you know, options, but none are really what we need, which is just more court time. You know, what you're saying here, though, here's the crux of it, everybody. We don't look. We need individual stimulation, not group regulation. And, and you know, it's good to have the USTA and all these organizations. But any time we look for somebody else to do it, for our school to do it, or, hey, why won't somebody's USTA get their act together? Or, hey, why doesn't the ITA do it? Or why doesn't... We need individual stimulation, not over-regulation. Regulation just paralyzes. Regulation does not inspire. You know, Mike Krzyzewski up at Duke, Susie, has it. I, I heard this was a saying of his. He says, one lion can lead a lead 100 deer to victory, but one deer will never lead 100 lions to anything yeah. but chaos or confusion and we need Susie Wimberley's out there and I know I look people listen to the program I know that you want to do something I know you don't want mediocrity into tennis and and all those things but but come on let's let's do it if it's and the programs today if it's if it's to be it's up to me now somebody who I forget Zig Ziglar or somebody said that I I can't remember but the thing is we need we need this, and we need it in every community, and we need people to, to jump in to, uh, you know, get people to stand up and, and get it going. Susie, we got about a well, minute. Well, if I can just add real else? quick, there's, the, the, there's okay. one other thing that there is, there is money to be had here, and that's the part. I'm, I wasn't looking to make money off of this league. I was just looking for my daughter yeah. to have more yeah. court time but in a better level of competition. But, but what I can say is, People spend money on their children. They spend money on their children's food and their clothes and their activities, and they probably spend more on their kids than anything else in their life. So if you are a pro or you are looking for a way to make money, there's definitely money to be had in junior tennis, and not just from the academy kids who have already devoted their life to the game. You've you've got all these up-and-comers in this transitional, intermediate kind of phase um, and they want to play and, and to offer, a, you know, a weekly league and take a percentage or, or offer a clinic on top of that. Um, I think there's tons of different kind of business models you could look at and make a lot of money doing it. But um, but but you got to put a little bit of time into it and a little bit of marketing. Um, but I do think there's there's certainly benefits for for the game and for the children and, and for yourself. I, uh, I, you know, I, I can't say that better. And it basically, but it takes, it takes someone like you in the community, someone who can meet people, talk to people, and and just dag on it. Nobody cares what you know unless they know that you care. Um, you know, I, I look. I can't thank you enough for being on the program, and we're Absolutely. we're going to do this again sometime. Um, 
I really, really appreciate uh, you coming on. And everybody else, listen, Thanks folks. I'm reminding you, you are in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or with a loss. I want to thank Susie Wimberly for being on today. I'm Coach Chuck Creasy, and we got to go. We're in America. On and on.